You're listening to episode 16 with Mike McGill of Water PIO. This episode is brought to you by Master Meter. Hi, this is Alan Heyman, president of Blue Drop. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of communication and collaboration in the water sector. It's water in real life with our friends and Blue Drop partners, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. We're dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you want to overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact. If there's one thing I can be certain of when it comes to you, it's that you love water. And if you're a water utility looking to manage your water you love, then you'll want to talk to our friends over at Mastermeter. They understand that you can't manage what you don't measure, and smart water management begins with accurate measurement. Account for every drop produced and delivered because the utility's progression towards smart cities and IoT begins here. We're trying to be the game changers of communication, and our partner, Mastermeter, is here to deliver game-changing results for you across finance, customer service, and utility operations. They offer an array of products to meet your utility's needs. To determine which smart metering solution is right for you, visit the h2duo.com slash mastermeter. In today's episode, we get to talk to our buddy Mike McGill, representing up there in North Carolina. And our conversation with him just reminded me of one part of this journey that I think is one of my favorite parts. And that's been that ever since we decided to make the choice to go rogue, we've had the opportunity to meet some amazing people who have decided to take that same leap and instead of seeing each other as competition we've all just come together and talked and gone through our trials and tribulations together and supported one another and just want to work together to drive this industry forward and it's been so inspiring and I've just loved every single person that we've gotten to meet along this journey and Mike is definitely one of those and I feel like this conversation really has something for everyone whether you're a formal communicator educator in the water utility or whether you are a PIO for the entire city which obviously encompasses your water department in some cases If you're a water utility director who PR issues and crisis communication have been keeping you up at night, there are takeaways for everyone. And some of my favorites are, two of them are related directly to proactivity. And one of them is being proactive and pitching your positive stories to the media. He has an example of how he took a cold spurt and a main break and turned it into this positive front page story that highlighted the work of the crews. And then also he talks about the J.D. Power survey that was done with water utilities, 40,000 water utilities across the nation, and how their results showed that just some simple, consistent, proactive communication jumped customer satisfaction with the utility by 30%. And of course, my favorite, building relationships and how, again, how core that is to success, not only with utilities building relationships with their customers, but also from an internal perspective and PIOs and communicators building relationships with the men and women out there in the field and in the treatment plants and the utilities and making sure that they understand why they're doing what they're doing so they understand when they say, hey, come out here, I need you to be in this photo or this video or whatever. So lots of great things, lots of great takeaways. So without further ado, let's get to the show. 
Mike McGill has spent his entire career as a communicator, having served as a leader in journalism and public relations. Before founding Water PIO, a communications firm specifically aimed at helping water and sewer operations, he served as a director of communications and customer service for water utilities for a dozen years, including chief communications officer for Cape Fear Public Utility Authority in Wilmington, North Carolina, Director of Customer Relations and Communications for Loudoun Water in Loudoun County, Virginia, and Public Affairs Coordinator for the Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission, a utility that serves nearly 2 million people in the Washington, D.C. area. Mike is a graduate of Syracuse University and began his career as a news producer in CNN's Washington Bureau and as the news planning editor for WUSA TV in Washington, D.C., Whew, man, I feel like I got a superstar up in here. Made it. <laughs> We're so excited to have you here today, Mike. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I love is that since we've started this whole gig and really gotten active on uh, Twitter and social media, uh, we've gotten to meet some really amazing people, and you are one of them. Hey, good deal. <laughs> so I made the short list. You made the short yeah. list, yeah. So back in, gosh, I don't know what month that was now, March, April, um, yeah. we had a little bit of a, a situation <laughs> up here in North Texas with, um, we had a celebrity come to town. <laughs> yes, did. Um, Aaron Brockovich came in hot on the uh, North, um, North Texas Municipal Water District go over some, uh, they were doing some treatment plant maintenance and some of the peeps got a little hot about that and she came in hot and I saw this thing on the news and I came into work. Actually, I don't even think I wrote it at work. I think I came, I sat down at my desk at home and I just, I, I wrote this open letter to her right. that right. was essentially like, Hey girl, I mean, I, I feel you like I, I respect where you're coming from, but like, don't come in hot on my industry. I got right. a little hot, you know, cause right. that's how I was born and raised in my, in I was raised in this industry career wise. And so I put that out there in the world and, um, you know, people in the biz were like, thank you for posting this, yada, yada, yada. And um, I get this tweet from this guy named Water Earth, from this entity called Water PIO. And a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, hey, girl, <laughs> saw your blog. Um, what's up? You, you guys need yeah. some assistance up there. Cause I've had a run in, in that situation too, but right. I got to tell you kind of the funny flip side of that, because like, I was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And Ariane went straight, like sketch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, well, that's, that's great. That's good. That's yeah. I was like, who does he think he is? With. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Is he trying to capitalize on what we're doing or, or, or where we're at? I'm like, who is this guy? I, I don't know him. You don't know us. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way I am. I'm, I, I go straight. Who are you? Who well, do you I'll start? tell you what, I'll tell you what, and it's a good, a good place for me to start. I, I, let's, let's, I started before you, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Um, <laughs> and, but you know, I saw that you would start it up as well. And obviously I'm in North Carolina, you're in Texas. So I didn't, I didn't think that, you know, we'd, uh, we crossed paths or territories or anything like that, but I saw what you were doing from afar and I was admiring it. I mean, you know, knowing the difficulties of my own startup and the fact that there aren't 
people like us out there to help yeah. uh, utilities that I thought it was a great, obviously I thought my firm was a great idea. I thought your firm was a great idea as well. And when I saw the open letter, yeah, I could see where you thought, hey, what's this guy doing? But, no, um, it's, but, it's my personality. She's naturally yeah, suspicious I'm, of everyone. I'm everyone, everyone. Well. I'm like, hmm. So, yeah, and, and I could see why. Because I did, you know, I, I sent you a message. I said, look, I, I dealt with Aaron and, and everything down here in North Carolina. In North Carolina, we had an actual toxic chemical found in our uh, drinking water supply. And I had represented the utility that was involved before I left and started my firm. So I was in the middle of all that. And Erin uh, had mentioned that she was coming to town. So I figured she was coming to town to, like you said, come in hot, blow my doors off. And so I reached out to her in advance and got to talking to her. And, and you know, we haven't talked much in the last few months, but we, we talked a lot over the, the first year of the whole Gen X issue down in North Carolina. And I just wanted to reach out to you and tell you that, it, you know what, if you reach out to her directly, then you might be pleasantly surprised uh, about where she's coming from. But I didn't disagree with the fact that in the situation down in Texas, that she was coming in hot. I mean, they were going through a chlorine burn and, and they had kind of relied on what they had always communicated in the past. And when some people took issue with... Um, what they perceived was lack of communication and what they found, what they felt were quality issues that caused rashes. Um, and they were kind of treated a little bit with the back of the hand about the situation. You know, they were able to bring her in and she started firing without having the full perspective. And I know that's what you were trying to provide in your open letter, but I figured I'd reach out to you and say, hey, listen, in her case, if you reach out to her directly, maybe you could work on it together. Um, because I know we definitely appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciated that. You won me over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. wow your, your, your awesome little phrasings, like blow my doors off. Like I was like, oh, this kid's cool. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> but we knew like instantly, like when we actually started conversing through text, email, and we had some phone conversations, we just knew we knew instantly that you know your stuff and you have that experience and you do a really good job yeah. at you know, helping people through that. Cause you know, even for us being on the outsider, when that happened, we were kind of like, it makes you like, Ooh, like yeah, I mean, right. I understand how utilities have that natural reaction to be like, no, no. But, but I mean, like you really came in and you were like, no, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Maybe we can well, help them out with this. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're defenders of public water. I mean, that's, yeah. that's who we are. We're defenders of public water. The, the, the good yeah, work of the people. Group. <laughs> yeah. All blue suits. Um, but, you know, it, it, the good people who work in water, you know, they, they, they're public servants. They don't do it for glory. They just, they, and they deserve to have their stories told and their actions defended. And when you have situations like that, where because of a, uh, we'll just call it a, a lack of, a lack of will to perhaps go out there and really push out communications to the public and the customers with respect for the, for how they're thinking and feeling, then it harms the entire, it can harm the entire industry. And that's where I think we come in as communications professionals to say, listen, there is a way of going about this that's better, that'll help everyone involved. And that is to improve your 
customer communications, your outreach to the public by telling your story. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like you kind of giving us that inside of working with her and being just being a human being and opening up a dialogue and having a conversation. That's kind of really what inspired me to reach out to her. Uh, I believe that was in April to, um, to do just that. And uh, scared to death out of scared the death out of Ariane because she had Again, no idea. Suspicion, fear. Yeah. <laughs> I go straight to worst case scenario. You know, oh, I good, well. and uh, Yin and Yang. She, she. I mean, she wasn't a huge fan of the blog. She felt like I took some, um, some, some digs at her. But you know, I was like, uh, she came in hot in her initial response yeah. to me. But I was like. I was like, hey, dude, I appreciate your candor because, you know, candor is something that a lot of people don't really have these days anymore. But um, and I said, I appreciate that. That's not where I was coming from. But, you know, let's just have this conversation. And we actually ended up having a very positive conversation with her yeah. for right. like an hour and a half that, um, you know, we're looking forward to sharing with the world at a later date. And hopefully right. she she agreed to be on the podcast, but you know, she's, she's traveling everywhere. So we haven't locked down a date for that yet, but like right. you were really the one that really inspired us to remember to just like, to, to <laughs> be brave enough so, to have yeah. that conversation. That's a, yeah. Well, well, I'll say this. I had to do it at a little bit of, you know, let's call it self-preservation. I mean, my, yeah. I was out there, I had had, um, questions about what I knew and when I knew it and I fully answered them and and the, the press down here still uses me as an independent resource for information because I was open out there transparent the yeah. whole situation proactive <laughs> proactive exactly and answered every question and uh and that's the way you know in dealing with Aaron as you as you learn when talking to her once you talk to her you get over that I I actually helped broker some meetings down here by people who are just as nervous as you are, for, and rightfully so, because she does come in hot. And that's when, um, you know, my experience of being on the phone with her for hours on end, you know, I thought it might be helpful. And, and as you imagine, you had an hour and a half conversation, and I think what you take away, yes, the approach is not what you and I would consider the best when it comes to um, solving the problem. Uh, however, she deeply cares about drinking water. She deeply cares yeah. about the threats to our drinking water. She deeply cares about how we fix our drinking water and we keep it in public attention and, and try and stop the pollution that's threatening our source waters. And, and I give this presentation a lot. I consider emerging contamin the emerging contaminant issue to be the next big threat to public confidence in drinking water. And it's something the water utilities, it's not their fault but we're going to have to address it for years to come. And I think that's a lot of where she comes from. But um, yes, water, she immediately puts water utilities on the defensive, especially if they don't communicate with her. The, the, the quickest way for her to light them on fire is for them to treat her as an outsider that shouldn't be dealt with. And yeah, that's right. the biggest mistake. Yeah, because I... You know, hearing you and your experience and having our conversation with her, you know, while like, well, yeah, that is her approach to come and hot. That's also just who she is as a person. Right. Like, you know, she herself said that um, the real Ed Maisry said that, you know, Julia Roberts nailed you, girl. Like she got all your sass right. and she portrayed that on screen. Like that's just who she is. And um, she she comes in hot about everything. And so 
we're not going to be able to change that. And I don't even really see her as the enemy, really, because to me, what we're up against is really this break in public trust, you know, especially after things like Flint made the national news during the presidential election. So they're going there for some of their debates. You know, it was really in the public, the public eye. Um, So how does the way a water provider communicate with their customers really impact that issue of public trust? Well, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about my experience at Flint to, to start off a little bit. It was an issue that even though it didn't have any connection to what my utilities were doing at the time, and I, I kind of worked, I went from one utility to another during the whole, uh, the, you know, when Flint made news, every single water utility had to answer the question. Um, yeah. and, and rightfully so. I mean, it was a concern, but I, I was, I'm always quick to tell people that the situation what happened in Flint is very, doesn't really have a connection to your own water utility and it takes some explanation, but you have to be forceful about it because sometimes it's easy to make that and to make that quick jump. Oh, I've got a water quality concern. We're another Flint. Mm-hmm. Now, Flint was a tragedy, a criminal tragedy on many levels. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it, you had a situation where you changed to a different water source and you took off the corrosion control and there were, and there were, um, decisions made based on purely on money. And then once problems were found, there was a cover up. And, uh, yeah. so that is entirely different from say the issue of emerging contaminants, which is what I explained down here. Here you had regulatory loopholes taken advantage of by a company. They dumped the chemical into the water supply without any check on it for 29 years. And then when they decided to market it, they had to come out and and say, well, it's here now. And then the study is done. It finds it in the water supply. And then the water utilities have to react to it. It's an entirely different construct. But when it comes to to building public trust and dealing with public trust, it's what you and I, you know, when we've talked, when we first had our discussions, it's about building blocks. You are a water utility. You provide an essential service for the quality of life for your community. The days of being out of sight, out of mind are over. You need to go out there and communicate with your customers. They are paying for an essential service in this day and age with instant communication. They expect to be told about the services that they pay for. And, but here's the thing, this is where some utilities get scared and some utilities jump on the opportunity because you have to communicate because there is a feeling you must meet that expectation. There is the opportunity to communicate what you do and how you do it. They are going to be more willing to listen to you and hear your story. And that's what I talk about with utilities there. I have a list of three or four dozen stories that you can put out to the public that you can put in bill stuffers, newsletters, go out to mass media, post on social media that explain what you do and how you do it and show the hard work of the employees who live in the same communities as your customers. And by doing that, you do that outreach, you, you boost the relationship, you build trust. JD Power has done uh, phenomenal water customer surveys over the last couple of years. Yeah. They interviewed 40,000 customers from 87 utilities all across the country. And what they found is what you and you and I have known all along is that if you communicate with your customers, they believe in you more. Mm-hmm. They found that one communication within three months, if a customer could recall it, 
a proactive communication, customer satisfaction scores went up, up to 20%. If they were communicated with proactively six times in 12 months, then customer satisfaction scores went up up to 30%. So it's not, you know, we hate, I hate to say it sometimes, but I always throw it in because it gets a laugh. It's not rocket science. It's about building a relationship with your customer through communication. How do you build relationships with other people? Yeah. Just, not even your so simple. Like it's it, just, you communicate. Yeah. You communicate. So that is where, you know, I make the case to potential clients and their presentations that look, you can do this. It doesn't require a lot of effort, time or, or resources. A modest commitment of time and resources will get you uh, an exponential benefit. Oh, yes, absolutely. And and you're absolutely right. It's it's really not rocket science and not to say that it doesn't take a level of right. skill or um That's where we come in. Yeah. Do what we right. do. Yeah, but um but I mean that's why I call communication the Occam's razor of the water industry and why Samantha Viegas that we just interviewed from Savvy PR talks about that same idea too because really it it's the simplest solution and it's the low hanging fruit that you right. can really put into action immediately. today, immediately, yeah. like right. just start doing it. And um, you don't have to invest in software. You don't have to wait for, you know, I mean, it's immediately. What, what you available. have to invest, right. You, what you have to invest in is a plan and yes. walk yes. through what you want to do and how you want to do it. My favorite tool is a SWOT analysis. You walk yeah. through, you get people in the room, you sit down, you talk about your strengths, your weaknesses, the opportunities you have, and the threats. And then you make determination on what you want to get out there to your customers with that in mind. What takes priority? Do you want to emphasize your strengths? Do you want to attack certain weaknesses? Do you see opportunities that really are the low-hanging fruit? Mm -hmm. And if you have threats, do you feel like you need to address them first and foremost? And then you make decisions. You come up with a plan, which is what we love to do. And then you execute that plan. And it, like you said, it, it's, it takes time, it takes planning, it takes um, effort. But once you get that going, then your, your trust in your utility is built up so that when you do hit problems, when you do hit crises, when you have to explain emerging contaminants, you're able to do so from a position of strength instead of a reactive position of weakness. Yeah. And, and I would say that probably our favorite tool is just getting people to start at the beginning and figure out what their mission really is and their, and their, you know, what their larger vision is and their, uh, their core values of how they're going to treat people and treat one another and making sure that those things are ingrained in every the, employee, in every employee because right. they're the ones that are out there face to face with your customers. And, and also if, if you don't have your story straight internally, how are you ever going to be able to communicate right. your story to the community? So just starting from there and, and funny enough, it's, it's so simple, but so few take the time to really be, to really ask the question of what, why, why are we here? You know, they go with the standard to create, to produce high quality drinking water, but like, right. but why? I mean, right. if, if your mission doesn't include some element of the community and the public that you're serving, then you're missing the point because you are the stewards of that resource, you know? So right. I think we all need to add that, that 
ending human, to all yeah. of our that human that human piece. But you know, the the public sector they're they're all public servants. Um, I think right. you touched on that earlier. Um, but there's some value to looking at the product that they serve, which is in this case right. water, more right. like a product. You yeah. know, water is a human right because people need it to live, obviously, but how can we balance that with the true product value, like the true cost that goes into producing that product? So why is communicating the value of water and that true cost so vital to water providers in 2018 and beyond? <laughs> well, it, 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 it's to gain support for what needs to be done uh, in the future. And let's face it, we are facing... Um, we're finally getting our arms around aging infrastructure and the fact that our parents and grandparents built these amazing systems that have lived in the ground for decades and are, have hit their, their end of their useful life. So you really do have to explain that water is a product, that you don't drink what falls from the sky. You simply don't. It has to be, <laughs> it has to be transmitted to a plant and taken from a river or, or a reservoir wherever it may be, or from the ground, taken to a plant. That plant has to go through a treatment process that has multiple steps to make sure that when you turn on that tap and that water comes to you after going through perhaps a, a thousand mile system of pipes in some cases, that it's safe at every point along the line, whether you're drinking in one portion of the service area or completely down in another area, it all has to be of, of comparable quality that, that make sure that you have the essentials for your life. And so that, that whole process, everything that's involved when you walk it through, that drives home the idea that it's a product. The number one, you know, we always had elected officials come on our board and one of the things that they would love to rail against was the water utility and how it had to, we're gonna bring them under control. They're not gonna be raising rates while I'm on the board. Then we take them to the water plant and we walk them through the water plant and they see everything that's involved and it's a light bulb moment. That's it. Yeah. A lot of that goes away instantly mm -hmm. when they say, gee, I didn't even realize what you all have to do and how you have to do it. And so that, that is where that is extremely helpful. I, what I like to use in addition to talking about our parents and grandparents, the system they built, is to drive home the fact of if you don't have reliable water and sewer services, if you want to skimp in, uh, skip, uh, skip in that regard, then you're putting your whole quality of life at risk. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, water and sewer is disease protection, fire protection, uh, basic sanitation, economic development support, environmental protection. You know, all of those go into your quality of life. Imagine if you don't have those in your community. Well, guess what? People are going to look elsewhere to live. People are going to move away. And you're not going to have the same city or town that you lived in or grew up in, you know. So if you don't invest in those water and sewer services, if you're not willing to pay a little bit more in a rate increase to make sure those water and sewer systems are safe and reliable, then you're harming yourself. Yep. Got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Hashtag there you ice go. Very good. I can't yeah. quite pull that one off. Oh, come on now. <laughs> you could, you could. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do when I worked for the municipality was when we did have new council members, you know, join our team was to take them through that treatment plant immediately, yeah. like mm -hmm. right. almost day one and, and check it out and, and hear this story. 
And, and we pound away at the importance of storytelling as communication strategy because we know the human brain is hardwired to communicate that way. Water providers can't really rely on people to fill in the gaps because it's going to be incorrect. So how can water providers ensure that the primary source, they are the primary source of the information? Well, it's, it, it, I give this presentation, I've given this presentation a dozen times over the last year. It, 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 and it builds off of what we just talked about, about pushing out consistent, proactive information about the services you provide. But it's also um, a, a bit, if you will, of controlled transparency. When your customers reach out to you and they want answers, you better give it to them. If the press comes calling, you treat them, you, you know, some will say they're enemies. So you bring your enemies, uh, your friends closer, your enemies yeah. closer. But yeah. you shouldn't even treat the press as an enemy. I was a news producer for eight years. I know what it's like in that newsroom. And you're what not they an enemy. You're turn. a very nice guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know what? It's, it's basic human nature. If you make my life easier for me, I'm probably going to give you the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. when something comes up down the line. So what I tell people is, you know, push out your story. Push it out every which way you possibly can, and especially to the press. Mm -hmm. And if the press uses it, great. Right off the bat, you've started winning right away. Mm -hmm. But you're also winning even if they don't use it because what you're doing is building a relationship and showing that you are there with information and whenever they come calling, you'll be responsive. If you do that with the press, if you do that with your customers, if you do that with key stakeholders, then guess what? In the moment when something occurs or you've got to get some important information out, you will be treated as the primary source for information. But if you run and, if you run and hide or you go dark, which a lot of utilities do, and especially in a crisis, you try and, 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 you know, put up the walls to protect yourself. You're actually harming yourself because guess what? In this day and age, and you know this better than anybody else, because I think you're better with social media than I am, is that people will fill in those gaps themselves. And if, they're, if you're not there with information, if they can't rely on you, that primary source, they'll go elsewhere for information and trust you less. And, you know, I often talk about the 51-49% principle. Most of your customers, when something happens... So you, you talk about us all the time, huh? We're 51-49. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's Sorry, we're just, gonna, we're just uh, going to keep throwing is, you off track. Through this whole thing. No, problem. no problem at all. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm taking notes for my own business. Um, so <laughs> the, the 51-49 is that most of your customers are right in the middle when something happens. You know, you're always going to have fringes that will defend you, but you also have the most vocal fringes that will just attack you no matter what. But 80% of people are in the middle and they're keeping their eyes on the conversation. They want to know information. But in this day and age, maybe they're thinking 5149 pro or con. Mm -hmm. Well, if you start doing searches on Facebook, if you start doing searches on the web, the way everything works, Let's say you, you start off at that 51. Well, you're going to find more and more information that feeds only that idea of the 51%. Mm -hmm. It's going to become it's 60. It's going to become, algorithm. Yes, exactly. And that ball starts rolling downhill and you're going to lose that customer. So really, you have to be out there and create the situation where your customers, the press, key stakeholders are coming to you first. You get the first crack at the, at the issues at hand 
you're going to be in a far better position moving forward. And I want all of my utility communicator friends that are listening right now to use that as the argument for we don't want to do social media or we're not getting enough engagement or we don't get the reactions that we're looking for with our CCRs or social media or whatever it is. Like it's, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you didn't get any likes. It's about being there because you're going to have to be there when the shit goes down. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and, and, and I'll just say this. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I do get that pushback, especially with social media. Um, and, and the, you know, the simple, they're looking at those numbers. Listen, people don't turn to social media to say, hey, I want to find out what my water or sewer utility is doing today. They're not going to be doing that. Nope. What you do, but what you have to have is a presence. You have to have an active, engaged presence. So when, I'll give the example, we dealt with a water uh, supply crisis down here. We had a major transmission main blow, and 300,000 people were put on mandatory water restrictions for three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. At the start of that whole mess, I started cranking out information. But someone, as it turns out, I got lucky, it was a friend of a friend kind of situation, created their... Uh, community updates page on Facebook for this situation within the first 24 hours. Within the first 72 hours, 14,000 people signed up. Wow. Bang. And this is where you got a little bit lucky because I had been out there and engaging in social media. It was suggested, hey, why don't you come on my page and push out your information through here. So within 48, 72 hours, I had a vehicle in my hands that I could use to crank out the 50 14,000, 15,000 interested parties worried about their water. So in addition to using that and that social media aspect and updating through social media and working through mass media, we didn't get a single negative story during the three and a half weeks of the crisis because we were out there, we were engaged. Uh, You know, I'd say this, if you engage every day with communications when a crisis hits, you're going to be in a better spot. That's with regular communications and that's with social media communications. It's the same principle. Yeah, exactly. And I've been like jotting down notes because I've been trying not to interrupt, but it's hard. But um, yeah, uh, but when you were talking about not running and hiding when the press comes and calling and making yourself available. And when I look, when I think about that, I think immediately of George Hawkins. Um, Cause when he was the general manager at DC water, he helped lead the team that did this huge rebranding of yeah. DC water and changing the way that people viewed them. And one of the things that he said was that I made myself available to the press. Yeah. So when the press yeah. called and had questions about things, I said yes, and I showed up and I did the interviews, and sometimes they were easy, sometimes they were tough questions, but he made himself he made himself available and he showed up and built this relationship and that trust with the press. Um, and then also where we were talking about filling in the gaps, you know, people listening may be like, oh, fill in the gaps, and the words may just go in one ear and write out the other, but this is not just like, just words. This is literally how your brain is hardwired. And there is legit cognitive neuroscience facts out there that show that 
your brain is going to be like, um, I don't know what that's about. So I remember this one time I saw on this TV show that, or, you right. know, I saw that movie, Aaron Brogovich, and there's something kind of off with my water. So that must mean that I'm going to get cancer from my water and I'm going to die. Right. Like our, our, you right. know, like they will fill in the gaps, people. We have to like be consistent. I like how your brain talks like me. <laughs> like the way you go into your brain voice. It's like, well, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> Sounds it's because I've been sharing, hanging out with you too much. With mine. Think, yes, exactly. I think we're exactly. brain sharing, yeah. Brain sharing. <laughs> and then also in the, I, in the issue of consistency and being afraid to get out there in terms of social media and being afraid of the trolls and all of this. Like, right. Um, we did a presentation at Catalyst that was all about um, perception versus reality. And we used this presentation that we saw at the Utilities <laughs> Management Conference by uh, Corona Environmental and it was this nationwide study that had been done that essentially said that the vast majority of Americans are in support of community water. Like right. the idea of seeing water as like a shared resource and even climate change. I mean, imagine that. And it was only 8% of the total population that won't believe anything you say or just have nothing better to do with their time than to get on the internet and, you know, talk negatively about any and every topic, whether it be water or parks or, you know, whatever, they don't care. They're just going to be negative. But it's that 8% that are the most likely to show up to your council meetings and your, your public, your public meetings, you know, and those are the people that scare the bejesus out of like council and city management. Mm -hmm. So imagine like, if anyone who's not in the water industry is listening to this, who just is listening to learn, like, please, like, if show up and be an advocate and speak up because your voice is going to make a difference. And you, we need some balance and counter activity to just the 8% of the population who need to get a hobby outside of just being on social media. So. So I, I, just, I just watched a clip of, of Anthony Morgan talking about elite Yelpers. And you know, that, you know, and, and, and his disdain, if you will. I'll say this, it, you, I think some of my best, the proudest moments I had in, in all my utility work is when you do run up against someone who is just hardwired against you and you talk to them about it. I mean, I, I think you bring up George, I'm, I'm a child of the DC area. Mm. I know what DC water, um, or it was DC Wassa, but Wassa. he branded, yeah. yeah. And, and what they went through with the lead issue that they had um, and the entire effort that had to be done. I've led rebrands at my utilities that I've worked for, but there's no finer rebranding effort that has been done in water or sewer work than what they did at DC Water. And, it's, and it is, and it is a, an example. But people have this fear of, well, I can't do that. I can't do that at all. And, and I don't have the resources. I don't have the funds. But it's, there is a scalability aspect to it. You can achieve many of the same uh, results that, that George achieved at DC Water by just applying those basic principles to what you do. And, um, you know, and that's, a, that's what I try and get across. Um, there just is that scar tissue that's built up. And, um, and the sooner we get over it, the better off we're going to be. So I know we've kind of already touched on the whole, uh, we've kind of like beat it into people's heads, this idea of proactivity oh, and consistency. Right. Um, but like, do you have any 
kind of tried and true tips that you can give on how like communicators can get more eyeballs on their messaging so that they are that um, mm -hmm. that source of information, the primary source? Well, for, for many of the people I speak with, it's about um, getting the basics done right. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, you know, kind of crawl before you walk or walk before you run. If you get those basics down, you're going to be in a, in a, in a far better position. You're going to achieve many of the goals that we talked about, about building those, those building blocks of trust. If you are consistent with the vehicles that you've always used, maybe you just got to use them a bit more. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of bill stuffers. Um, you know, that's an old method but it has a 10 to 15% hit rate. And if you got that on a banner ad on the web, mm -hmm. you'd be going through, you know, it would be a, a world record. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a point, it's a touch point where every single customer is involved, even if they have online bill pay or they get a reminder in an email, you can still get your message across through that email newsletters, the website, mass media, I'm a big proponent of, um, that if you get those reporters on your side, usually in, in especially in smaller markets, they're either longtime people or very new people to the industry when it comes to journalism, and you have opportunities there. Um, basic social media, I talk about Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, especially Twitter being helpful in a crisis, but obviously it's, it's, it's repetition if you follow. And there's a lot of discussion now about moving away from Facebook a little bit to Instagram stories. But I think if, if utilities have the basics down in that regard, because of what we talked about, how people don't naturally say, hey, let's see what my water utility is doing on social media today, um, they're going to be in a better spot. And as you know from your work, a good community relations program tied to that is helpful as well. You don't forget everything we talk about here, whenever you have face-to-face -face contact. I've been in front of school gyms with 300 people and churches explaining projects and explaining rate increases and, and plans for the future. You know, as we talk about all these other communications aspects, don't forget the face-to-face. -face. Love it. Yeah. And it, 100%. It's a combination. Exactly. It's a hybrid. Exactly. And as, as to bring it full circle, those people that are hyper sensitive or hyper involved are more likely to come to those public sessions you can engage with them there. You have those conversations that maybe, you know, take a little bit of the air out of their balloon a little bit and gain some understanding so you can move forward. Yeah, mm. exactly. No, I love that you, that you did. Cause I, I've actually been, I think you read my mind or have been listening to, I, have no, I said that and when it has been, yeah, but I, I love like when we talk about innovation in the water industry, we talk a lot about, um, data and technology mm -hmm. and all of these things. But I mean, sometimes maybe it's just creating a new way of using those two things together paired with public outreach and education and communication. And because like you're, when you're a utility or a water provider, your, uh, your audience is everyone. It's all right. demographics. Right. And so, you know, I love that you're a fan of the bill stuffer because that's still a relevant way yeah. to communicate with a, a large number of the population. And it gets so easily dismissed of, oh, right. well, nobody, I, people are like, well, I throw all of my stuff immediately in the recycling bin, but you ain't everybody. Like right. there are other people right. who open them and read them and, and that's how they people. get their information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're 10 people, but they may be, 
So those, and, the, and the thing is, those are the communications that actually are, are, are buttressed by the J.D. Power survey that I talked yeah. about. Those really? are those touch points where, okay, yes, 10 to 15% of your customers are reading the bill stuff. So you think, oh my God, all that waste and all that's going out there. Well, if you have, in my case, I had bi-monthly bills. That was six times in a year, which is where kind of that number came in for proactive outreach. Those were the messages that people remembered that boosted their customer satisfaction scores. Yeah. You know, it's not the only thing you do. And, and to be honest with you, people automatically think there's this crazy big expense now. Not if you do it properly. It's a, it's, it's a scalable investment. It can be very, um, you know, you can have an initial outlay and then in subsequent years, it's very minimal. For example, with TFPUA, Cape Fear Public Utilities Authority, I had to lead a reputation rebrand. So one of the tools I used were brochures that talk about investing in your future, how not to waste water, learning from your lawn, uh, an overall view of the utility. And they were long form brochures with, with a lot of text. Okay, that was the first year and we put it out there and there was a bit more of an expense. The next year, all I did was do a simple insert that had short bulleted points that drove people to the website because we had redone the website. Those were incredibly, they were so cheap. And I hit every 67,000 customer accounts for about $1,000, $2,000. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. nothing. That's right. nothing. And if 10 or 15% read that, guess what? That was eight to 10,000 customer accounts that got my message exactly the way I wanted to put it out. And that's yeah. just one way. Then you have mass media. Then you have, you know, the, the, the basic social media and all those other things we talked about. And that's how you build, build um, your relationships. It's all about ratepayer relationships. You communicate more often proactively. You're building those relationships. You're making them stronger. Customer relationships, not ratepayers. They're not just dollar signs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and the mail, I, I, yeah, the mail houses are so uh, sophisticated now to where like you can do targeted approaches. Like if you know that something is only impacting a certain portion of your population, you can target those things now, you know, like I have a friend who's in that biz and the way that they can target right. different addresses and zip codes. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, if, yeah, go ahead. Well, okay, Mike. What's the best piece of advice that you can give people communicating with the media that don't have their own badass mic on staff? Well, outside of saying, hire me, we're at waterpio.com, or hire you. Um, You know, know, we know what budgets are like, and we can find a way to help no matter what's available. But um, what I try and say is, listen, Everyone out there that's working, especially in journalism, your customers, they're a lot like you. They're doing more with less every day, especially on the journalism side. I mean, we yeah. just, you know, hundreds of thousands of journalism's jobs are disappearing. Yes. So, you know, and when I was in news, I was strapped. My staff was cut to the bone. If you're a utility and you can provide me with compelling stories, and this is what a big, a big thing I know of what you talk about. A compelling story I might not have thought of because honestly, I'm just sitting there writing a check for my own water and sewer utilities, mailing it off. And I only think about it when I get a high bill or there's a break in my neighborhood. If you deliver me, 
wrapped up in the bow, and it's not that hard to do, but wrapped up in the bow, a story idea for me to use, I will put it out there. I will get it at some point, maybe not today, but certainly down the line. And it's a, it's a modest uh, investment of time and resources to do it. You can, you can use that same story in a bill stuffer, in a utility newsletter, on social media, with your key stakeholders. I'm a big proponent of an annual report and putting out a report of what you did and how you did it for that year. It's a confidence piece for your key stakeholders and it sets the table for you for future, um, you know, budget ads or increase or project work. Yeah. But, you know, the, if you do all that work, it's all based on one idea. Get over to scar tissue. Get out there. Do the work. You know, you can't in this day and age stay dark anymore. It's just not to your advantage. If you're out there, you engage. Your customers will believe in you more. They'll be ready for a rate increase that has to come either because of aging infrastructure or because we've got water quality concerns that have to be dealt with. But they're more likely to be with you and you're going to be better off. Yeah, and you know what's coming down the pipeline better than anyone else. And so if you do have a, you know, if you are investing some into your annual water quality report and you want to snazz it up a bit or put it online, create a website, you know, it's going to require a little bit more budget than normal, even though the budget that you're using is a fraction of like your right. total budget, right. like less than 1%. Right. Um you know that story and, and you know that 8% may show up. And so have your, have your story ready. Be like, no, we did this because this is, our, this is one of our primary opportunities to communicate with the public and to let them know about their water system and what's going on in it, um, some of the successes we've had, um, some of the community engagement that we've done. And, you know, this goes out to everyone and this is our opportunity to communicate that. And yes, we could have gone digital or we could have, I mean, but we printed it out because we have to send it to everyone. And this, you know, mm -hmm. like what I'm saying is basically is that water providers, you know, what's coming down the pipeline, you know, what the rumblings that are going on, um, on what's that next door? Like mm -hmm. you've yeah. seen the rumblings. Hey, next door. Yes. Yeah. Like. Be prepared and um, get your upper management and your council prepared too, and say, look, like, I don't want to, I'm not freaking you out. This is not an issue yet, but this is some rumblings that have been going on. And this is how we're proactively taking a stance to kind of quell that before it blows up into something. Or if someone shows up and mentions this at council, here are some talking points, you know, because right. that's. I, it's it sucks to be at a meeting or something and someone stands up and asks you this question that you're not prepared for. Um, so we just, we stress getting people prepared. Yeah, no, absolutely. What I have started saying to, to try and convince people is that communications is an operation just like a water or sewer operation in your shop. And yeah. if I presented to you a way of maximizing your return on investment, where you improved your operation, your communications operation, to the point that it was an ex extremely positive and boosted your entire organization for a minimal amount of time or resources, you would do it. You would do it in a heartbeat. And that is what I'm trying to get across, that communications is an operation just like any other for a water and sewer utility. And there is a path you can take 
for a modest investment of time and resources that'll give you an extreme return on investment. I laid out to, out to you on a water treatment solution or a wastewater treatment solution or repair project or whatever the case may be, and you jump at it. You would jump at that kind of situation. And that's what I try and stress to people is that they should jump at that when it comes to improving their communications operations. Yeah. Preach. Um, So in our world, we have, uh, well, you're water PIO, which is public information officer. So you're, you're heavy on the communication side, but in our world, there's also the informal educators of the world that are, that are out there engaging with the public in different ways. And so in our, in our experience, we found that sometimes there's a disconnect between the two um, in the water space and, Sometimes we found that it's just because they're speaking almost like different languages or their goals may not be aligned. Um, what are some words of advice that you can give to communicators that are coming in with the same background that you had working um, in what may be considered a non-traditional setting in terms of for water utility versus like the newsroom? Um, right. So this is kind of like the newsroom meets the treatment plant. Right. <laughs> What's some advice you can give to those commuter, commuters, communicators coming into the water space? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, first off, to acknowledge what you're, you're walking into, that um, exa- what we talked about before, these are public servants. They're not in it for glory. They do it to uh, protect the quality of life for the people they serve. There is a deep public servant aspect to it. And so you need to acknowledge that coming in. You also need to acknowledge that there's going to be mistrust of of someone like me coming in uh, that likes to be in front of a TV camera. Most of the people that work in water and sewer are very skeptical of people that like going in front of a camera and Mm -hmm. with reporters that honestly they have probably been burned by before. So there's that skepticism. So really there's relationship building within the organization that you have to do. Um, I walked into some extreme cases. My last job where I worked, the person who had my role had been openly combative with just about everybody within the organization. And therefore, there was a high level of mistrust, Mm -hmm. both in the press and how they covered the utility, but the rank and file about putting their trust in a communications person. So you have to do it. You have to do it by example. You have to also sit down and talk and say, this is where I'm coming from and this is how I'm going to help you. We are all in this together. My job is to make your job easier. Oh, you mean you have to communicate? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you mean you have to communicate? Okay. It's it's relationship building. This whole conversation is about relationship building. And you have to do the same thing because there are people in water that will look at you and say, you're the PR guy. I get hit with this all the time. Even though I've, I've handled public communications for utilities for 12 years, I will get the knee jerk. You don't know anything. You're the PR guy. Mm-hmm. Even though I've been immersed, I've covered just about every crisis and situation you can have in water. I'm the PR guy. Therefore, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yep. And you'll hit that on the internal side within the organization. Yep. What you do is you show that you're a partnership. You know what? You're right. I don't know everything. I'm going to work with you to make sure that I get every technical piece right. And then I'm gonna put it in a communicate, I'm gonna use my, my skills as a communicator to relay that to, to the public in a way that they can understand. And if the public understands it, guess what? You're gonna get more support for what you do and how you do it. Um, 
on the water side, uh, you know, the, the head of the, the water operations was like, listen, Mike, if you can help me communicate what I do and how I do it every day and what my staff does, I'm with you lockstep every step of the way. And sure enough, I was able to do that right off the bat. And if you're able to do that, then they're with you for all the difficulties that are ahead because there are going to be several when you work with a water or sewer utility. They just are. Yeah. And uh, you got to put in that hard work, you know, like these yeah. guys are and gals are out there doing the hardest work, you know, getting paid like meh. And, you know, you got your, yeah. got your city boy PR boy coming in here acting like he know everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know, and I forgot to add this, so I'll throw it in. One, one of the things I would do is, yes, on, on, the, on the stories where we were really at risk, I stood in front of that camera and took the bullets and handled the question. But in stories where we wrapped them up in the board it would bow and said, come on out and cover this, I would train the field staff to go on camera, to give answers, to give that personal connection and personal touch. I was standing right off camera. If there was ever a moment where they were in trouble or concerned or, or nervous, I was there to jump in and help out. But there's also a recognition of the press of saying, well, this person doesn't do what Mike does. I'm going to go easier on them. Believe it or not, that does uh -huh. It does happen. That's a good thing um, to know. Now, you, you don't expect that. You don't want to say, oh, you don't let your guard down. Yeah. But that's <laughs> if they're talking right. to someone who works in wet wells, they're not going to jump on them with three or four hard questions about, hey, why is the sewer break happening? And what did you do? And how did you do it? And what do you know? They're not going to do that. They're more likely to, 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 uh, to treat them with kid gloves, if you will. If they don't, I'm standing off camera and I can jump in and help out. Uh, and that's my role. But usually if, if people in the field see that I'm not, I don't want to grab the glory for myself, if you will, all the time, that builds trust as well. And they feel better when they go home every day. They just do. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Mike, not everyone is a water nerd like us. So <laughs> how, how do we communicate a message that, some people might find bland. Um, how do we make it engaging to our audience? Right. Um, there are, you know, water and sewer can be hard to, to make exciting, if you will. But there are gee whiz moments, um, especially with if you're in a smaller market and there are a lot of newer reporters that have, they've never even, they don't even have the concept of where their water comes from and what is, needs to be done about it and what it takes to treat that water and get it back in. So for a lot of people, the basic G whiz, and we talked about before with elected officials, take them to the plants, show the, 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 how water is created and how the, the nasty steps that yes, are G whiz moments of how that water is treated. But there are also ways you can package things. When, when I was at uh, Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission, just before their mains started popping like popcorn, I decided to throw out, um, yeah, we had 2,100 water main breaks in, in my first winter when I was on camera, 2,100, yes, but just was, before, you like Jiffy Pop over there. Oh, it was ridiculous. Um, I was on camera so much that when my last day before I went off on vacation to actually get married, the TV stations I went live with, they were told I was leaving to get married like three hours later. And they all wish me well and happy, you know, happy wedding, happy marriage, all on the air because I had lived on the air for two weeks straight oh when God. their water main popped. But 
but what I did is before that even happened was I had a crew that had 120 years combined experience working in the cold and repairing water main breaks. And so I packaged that to the Washington Post as a kind of my first story, first week. All right, let me see how this goes. I think this is a story idea. Washington Post jumps on it and they make it a cover story in their metro section about what it takes to, you know, repair water main break, break in 10 degree weather and, and the people involved. And yes, there were folksy quotes from the people about how they've been doing this whole lives, their whole lives and why they were doing it. And then I happened to get lucky because that piece ran just before the water main started popping. We didn't get the initial, oh my God, the utility's horrible and they're not, they, they should have been ready for this and they're failing in every way. The Washington Post just the week before had done this feature story about how hard people are working on the water main break. So actually we got off on a great start for a crisis because of a proactive story that had just been landed. And that is, it's not a gee whiz, but it's an angle you can take to get coverage of the good work that, that your people do in, in water and sewer. Just that lo- small local paper, the Washington Post. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's the thing. Those small local papers, and this is what we talked about, they're getting, they're getting stripped to the bone. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Really the, bad. The, yeah. The, the bureau chief that I worked with on that, who moved up to the ranks and was nominated for a Pulitzer, that, that bureau is over. They don't have a local bureau in the counties that are on the D.C. line. They don't have those bureaus anymore. So I say this to water and sewer people all the time. It's a double-edged sword. They don't have the staff to cover the story, but the the fact is they also need content that's ready to go because the reporters now are cranking out four and five stories at a time. Guess what? If you wrap something up on the boat that you want to get across, you have the hidden advantage of your services touch every single one of their readers or viewers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every single person that reads that newspaper or watches that TV station is served by you. Therefore, you're up higher on the list when it comes to newsworthiness. So if you've got something, you wrap in a bow, you make the press's life easier, and it connects with the majority of their audience, you're going to get coverage. You're going to get your story out there. You just got to be willing to do it. Yeah, well, I loved how you got creative with taking something like a main or cold weather and turn that into, you know, how you were able to put your little bow around that. But so on kind of that same line of getting creative, talk to me a little about how water providers need to keep their audience in mind when they're crafting their messages. And we touched on this a little bit when we were talking about the different platforms to reach that audience, but um, let's talk a little more about it. (laughs) Well, just, I mean, I I think, what can happen in our industry is that we're so immersed in water and, and what we do and working with top professionals every day that sometimes you lose perspective on what messages connect with customers and the press that you do kind of have to strip down some of the knowledge that you have to make things more clearer or to get out uh, complex topics uh, and subjects out to your customers and explain them. You know, you, you almost, you have to put yourself, and I say this in presentations all the time, you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes. They're, you know, they're running around, they've got their kids, they've got their jobs, they've got their home, they've got their families, they've got their dog. they got everything about going you. on. <laughs> they're not thinking about, 
all the intricate levels of water treatment that makes their water safe every day when it comes out of the tap. They just want to know, they, 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 so you, you don't go in the nth degree on everything about how you, you're keeping the water safe, but you are telling them things that they connect with, that you are testing it tens of thousands of times a year, that people are working around the clock. There are people just like you protecting your water. They're applying the knowledge they've gained to make sure your family is given a safe, reliable product. You know, those basic, you know, you're stripping that down to the basics that they can connect with. And I think sometimes, you know, I was in a, I followed a person in a presentation who talked about using artificial intelligence for, um, you know, using on customer service platforms. He was giving it to a, a, a small rural water association conglomerate of like 20 or 30 water utilities. And he's talking about artificial intelligence. And guess what? Those, those utilities, I have a, 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 a client pitch next week to the big one of that whole group. They don't have the funds or the resources to do artificial intelligence. He was talking right over their heads, not taking into account what they have to deal with. And if you do that with your customers, you're going to fail to communicate. So, and that's why you talk about stories a lot in your work. It's what I talk about in mine, because if you, you properly tell your story to connect with your customers, you know, again, you're going to have that trust built up. They're going to understand what you're doing and how you're doing it. So that trust is built up. Yeah, we have this habit of just really being so excited and passionate about everything that we do that we want to like tell everybody about it. We want to tell like every detail of the treatment process. Oh my gosh, guys, yeah. our bio right. solids are on fleek, you know, and, and the rest right. of the world <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? So we have to remember 100% that who our audience is and that we're doing it for them and not to always be throwing cognitive neuroscience back into it. But that also is an incredibly important part because your brain has this filter that is always asking, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? How is this going to impact me? What does this have to do with me? Because your brain knows how to do one thing and that's how to survive. And so if what you're telling them is not helping it, benefiting them in any way they're just going to be like bye they're not even going to listen right. here whatever and so yes uh keep on preaching that idea of um keeping your audience in mind because that's so yeah. important what it has to do with them um but uh we're sort of on this passion project uh, right now and, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit already but mm-hmm. a really empowering water providers to fight through this just initial reaction of fear because fear is only going to create more um i'm sorry because it's going to once we get past that fear and the the wanting to hide it's going to create this more transparent communication that's really kind of at the core of building that trust so you mentioned scar tissue in the past but what do you say to water providers that have been burned in the past? Well, you know, what I try and do is say, listen, and I hold up my phone in the presentation. We have very short attention spans nowadays. Okay. And you, it cuts both ways. There is an advantage to that, that, you know, long held stories, you can, get over them, if you will. The, the customer has to move on. They might have a negative feeling that, that 
you know, we all, I always talk about it when they see their bill and they have to write that check. No one likes writing a check. No one likes paying money, even though they're essential services. So there's always going to be those moments where, yes, the, the customer is not going to feel the greatest about you. However, if you have been burned in the past and you decide to bunker and go dark, you can never improve. And what, and I, I tell you, you know, I say that if you're a water utility or, you know, water and sewer utility and you decide, you know what, I'm not going to improve some part of my operation, you wouldn't let that fly for a second. You're always trying to improve your operations. And so if you bunker or go dark or you say, you know what, my customers aren't as smart as me. They're not going to understand this. I'm going to create confusion because they don't know what I know. Instead of telling them, uh, I'm not going to say anything at all. And if it's brought up, you know, I'll take the hit. I'll take the hit for a day or two. But that's what the press does. And I'll just scrape them off and I'll continue to move forward doing whatever I feel like. Well, in this day and age of instant communication, you just can't do that because guess what? You're going to get burned in the end far greater than you were burned before. You, the only way you can improve is to do the opposite, if you will. Don't go dark. Don't bunker. Tell your story. Your customers are there. They, they, in a way, they have to listen to you. So you have opportunities to tell them about all the good work that you're doing. Yes, for some people or that one tough reporter in town who's just going to keep you as the boogeyman, yes, you are going to, to continue to have those issues. But for the vast majority of people, again, the J.D. Power survey results, for the vast majority of people, if you communicate, you're going to be in a better position with them. And I'll go back to J.D. Power study for one more note. To the negative. They found that one out of every three customers on that survey reported water quality issues. They didn't like the taste, the smell, whatever it may. Something that we as water professionals don't think of as water quality issues. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. think of them as, they think of them as water quality issues. Yeah. One out of three thought they had problems with their water quality. Yeah. But then you look at the communications piece and almost one out of three have felt better about their utility if they were communicated with. So there's a counterbalance right there that attacks the problem. So that's, you know, I, I give these presentations and yes, there's a row in the back of people who have worked in water and sewer for 20, 30 years saying, you know, almost with a, a half laugh, half smile, sure kid, you know, I got through my whole career without talking to people and I did just fine. Well, that day and age is over. It ended in 20 over. or 2004 when Facebook started. Yep. Exactly. I mean, literally there is a day. Right, exactly. And thanks a and, lot, Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what? And, but to the flip, for people the like us, side, it's been great. Yeah. For people who should use people like us, there are opportunities galore that you didn't yep. have before. And then you combine that with the state of play of newsrooms stretched to the limit, people stretched to the limit for attention. If you provide that information, they'll take it in and they'll move on and you'll have gotten your message out. And you, if you consistently do it, they'll take it in, they'll put it out and they'll move on and you're part of that cycle. And that's only beneficial. If you're dark, I mean, we saw it here with emerging contaminants here. The utility I used to work for decided to bunker and go dark and they were destroyed. Uh, you know, I saw four and a half years of hard work doing rehab 
uh, you know, reputation rehab wiped out within four days, but definitely within four weeks because the utility decided to go dark. You just can't do it. Not in this day and age. Yeah. Agreed. Well, we could talk about bunkering with you all day. (laughs) And I don't know if anyone listening has caught on to the fact that we're all clearly very passionate about communicating in this industry. And um, the cool thing is that everyone that I've met who is on the same page as we are, are the most passionate, well-meaning, just, I mean, we just, we love this industry so hard and we just want to help them like we they just want to help them be the bright it. shining yes. star that we it. know yeah. them to be yeah. and um in a lot of cases sometimes um they're in their own way sometimes but there's so many people out there who that who get it little kid that you just know has all this potential and all, all this, this potential great, <laughs> you know destined right. for great things and it's like Ugh. yeah but but they're getting there yeah. and and i'm hoping that more and more they begin to see and recognize the messages that we're saying and obviously you know paying us to do it because like <laughs> I like to eat and stuff no <laughs> well, um, and, and what I try and say is you know people are concerned about the costs that are involved the things what we do and how we do it we I don't know of a single thing that I do that can't be molded to fit exactly what our utility needs right. exactly within its budgets because of what because of what we're talking about we're talking about building blocks and improving your communication maybe you can't shoot the moon right now that's fine but if you get underway with a good solid basic plan for a modest um, amount of resources and time which is where we come in and assist you with that Mm -hmm. you're going to be better off for an for amount of money that fits in with your budget that's what i talk about all the time this isn't scary. This isn't shoot the moon. We're not talking six-figure contracts here. Yeah, We're talking yeah. about work that can be molded into into exactly what you need. Yeah, it doesn't have to. It's it's not. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. You know, Coca-Cola's marketing uh, budget. Right. You know, we can we can start. Doesn't small. even have to be Fanta's. Doesn't have. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> even have to be Fanta's. You know, it can be. Uh, I don't have a comparison right now, but yeah, but anyway, so I'm gonna let Ariane bring us into the lightning round. Ah, the lightning round. Okay. I mean, <laughs> here we go. That's my lightning yeah. noise. What's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to all of us? Well, for you know, I'm kind of recycling books right now. I, I just reread No Reservations, Bourdain's uh, book. Just uh, you mm. know. And, um, but for our industry, um, one book that I really like is called Made to Stick. It's by Chip and Dan Heath. And it talks about why some ideas survive and, and others die. And is that the same author as Power of Moments? I don't know for sure, but it, it, is. It's probably, it is. Okay. Oh, it's awesome. Was oh, I can't wait to read this one then. Yeah. She was so me Made to Stick, I think, is their older book. I didn't, I didn't know about their more recent one, but it talks Ooh. about the six principles to, to having ideas stick. And it's a lot of what we've talked about here. Simplicity. Packaging together that, uh, a story that is unexpected or, G, or has a G with. There's clarity. Then because of all that, you're building up your credibility. You're relating your credibility. You use emotion because obviously if you don't care about the story, then why should anybody else care? 
And then the last one is actually the word story, do stories, mm -hmm. tell mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. Yep. So I, th I think it's, a, and it gives examples. It looks right. at examples of, of ideas that, that worked and ideas that didn't. So that's one that I would, I would suggest to people. Um, and it's, it's a pretty quick, easy read. Okay. I'll suggest um, their newer book too, <laughs> The Power of Moments. There you go. I'm sorry. It is. It's awesome. I'm excited. I didn't realize they had made the stick, so I'm going to have to get that one now too. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Well, I'm, you know, you can, especially with the startup business, you can howl at the moon a little bit. You can stare at the ceiling tiles. Um, mm -hmm. So what yeah. I try and do at the end of the day, usually before bed is write a list of what I need to do the next day. In other okay. words, so I don't, so I don't sit there and kind of go in a circle of everything that's going on. And, you know, what do I have to do tomorrow? Oh my God, I got all this to do. Yeah. Write it out in the list. And then the next morning I'm knocking it out. And that's, that's kind of how I do it on the day to day. There are some long-term planning aspects to it that I've always on the board. So if you've got, you knock out the short term, I get my list done in the short term. I switch over to my longer term projects that I could do a little bit more work on that maybe I haven't caught up with. Um, but that's one way I, that, that, that I found works for me. Some people say if you write that all down before bed, then that's all you're going to think about before be bed. In my case, I've, I've downloaded it. I've dumped it onto yeah. a paper. <laughs> and and I, can, I can break free from that and get some sleep. Gosh, that's, I had just had that experience in the middle of the night last night. I was sleeping and I went, <gasps> did, we, did we send all this stuff? And she, yeah. was, she didn't even respond because I immediately was like, oh, wait. <laughs> Because yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I just want a little bit of credit for how much I resisted the urge to howl when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, oh. yeah. Howling is definitely, I would love to howl sometimes just in like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> we get to commiserate on that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so like this last question we ask everyone because there's sort of this, um, this mindset that one person making one change is not going to make an impact. You know, some people are like, well, what difference does it make whether I do it or not? I'm just one person. It's not going to impact anything. But like, we don't believe that at all. We right. believe that, you know, one person's actions can be incredibly inspiring and inspire others into action. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe can actually change the world? Well, I believe in, 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 if we take this, the small step together, then we can have a, an impact that we, we would, could never expect. Um, you know, you, in, what have we talked about here about customers and how they have 20 million things going on with their lives and how do you connect with those people? It's the same thing with trying to make change. If you can boil it down to the fact that, listen, you don't have to radically change your life. But if you undertake a small step, and we all undertake those small steps together, we really can affect major change. Um, one example I love to use is, is when I talk to uh, classrooms and kids. And if I can get them to take away one or two points about if every kid in that room did it from that point on, imagine what could happen. And it's like, turn off the water when you brush your teeth. Simple action. You stay, every kid's got to brush their teeth. If they shut off that water from the time they're six or seven years old, 
to the time they're 60 or 70 years old and they all do that together, if we all do that together, imagine the millions or billions of gallons of water we're going to save over their lifetimes. It's that, it's that kind of simple step where if the kid says, you know what, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You know, I, I tell them that you're just watching as you brush your teeth, you're watching that water go down the drain and we need that water. And all you have to do is just turn the faucet off and you're helping everyone out. And they get it. They get it. And if they're doing that from age six to age 60 or age 80, imagine the, 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 the savings that we have to our water supply. So the, that's a, what I like to, to use. I see you they want to jump in. So have at it. Yeah, because guess what, Mike? I see you turning off your water and I raise you to, I forgot to brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> Um, so I saved a lot of water this morning because, you know, it's hard to get out of the house, um, with three little kids and that step, like if I'm like, if I didn't get that done before the shower, chances are, you know, it, it's just a, it throws everybody off. So apparently I walked out with a toothbrush. Apparently I walked out of the house today and then I had to do this all morning. Right yeah. here, her face. <laughs> this is when I realized it when I got here, and I was like, "Ooh." Well, mm-hmm. hey, listen, I should call the foul on myself. What happened the first time we talked? You um, weren't wearing I pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm not wearing pants right now. Um, <laughs> you know, just from you, the waist up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's TV, you know. Or you know, the, the camera's up right now. All you're seeing is my shirt. But oh, what happened when, when, when we set up our first conversation about this podcast, I had been up all night doing client work and I just yeah. rolled out of bed and got on with you and I had my cap on and you're like, oh, you turn the camera on. You want to talk to me face to face? Oh, great. Yeah. I, I had saved water that morning. I hadn't showered yet. So yeah, yeah. right. You didn't shower. Hygiene does, can save the world. Poor yeah. hygiene could, no, I'm just kidding. Poor, but, poor uh, hygiene can save the world. Save the world. Occasional, not like yeah. all that's the time. That's occasional. your takeaway quote. That's your takeaway occasional quote right there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, this, is, this is going downhill fast. But yes, if I stood up, <laughs> up in a classroom and I said, kids, don't shower. Save water. Yeah. Don't shower. You would never be invited back. <laughs> yeah, but no one would be the stinky kid in class because they would all be the stinky kid in yes, class. Exactly. So yeah. there's always a you're, flip you're side. You're getting a little too close to home there. <laughs> well, before this whole interview goes straight True down, confessions. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh-oh. Goes straight in a, in a new direction. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up now, and just uh, thank you so yes. much for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. You've been more than generous, and we as entrepreneurs know that every great. second counts. And um, so we appreciate the time that you've given to us today, wow. and it's always a fun conversation. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty, yeah, well, yeah, we could talk for hours, but, um, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, It's great talking with you because as startups looking to to achieve many of the same goals for the good people in this industry, it's always great to to talk to people that want to do the same thing you're doing uh, and improve it. Yeah, there are a lot of good people. There's a successful person out there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. (laughs) I'm waiting on a couple proposals. Not good. Aren't we all? Watercoms is hard, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, it's because of what we talked about. Yeah. We have to change perception. We have to 
get across the fact that you stepping out does have an exponential benefit. The yeah. rewards are far greater than the risks, but you know, it's hard to say that to a utility that has been able to be quiet and, and yeah. has, but in this day and age, it's, you're just not going to be able to do that moving forward and have a strong relationship with the customers. Well, on another water note, I have to pee, mm -hmm. so we need to wrap this oh, up. Oh, there you go. We're done. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, cut. Okay. We hope you enjoyed the show today. For the show notes of all the resources, including the Aaron Brockovich blog and the books we mentioned, go to h2duo.com forward slash 16. Don't forget uh, to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, share and like it all on Facebook, Twitter, Insta, all those jams. Um, and before I give you our favorite quote, we have a new series called the WaterTech Wednesday series coming up. And if you're a WaterTech company or um, a startup, you guys just shoot us an email at getreal at theh2duo.com for more details and we'll uh, put you on the show. Remember what our favorite quote says, those who tell the stories rule the world.